What's up, what's up, beautiful people? I am Brandon Savage, known as BS Nightlife on Instagram. I'm an entrepreneur. Let's get it. First of all, thank you for sitting down with us today. No problem. I appreciate y'all having me. So let's talk about your story. Growing up in New Orleans, what was your experiences like? Where are you from? Tell the world. So um, I'm actually a West Bank cat, man. I'm from a rural, a rural project. Um, it was the typical growing up, um, growing up in a situation of poverty, but you and your friends just do stuff, play ball, stuff you don't really notice. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of make it work. Um, didn't really notice until we got a little older that things were tough because our parents, for the most part, kind of kept it together. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it definitely it could have been worse. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't too bad. What was your inspiration getting into being an entrepreneur? Like, when did you first realize, oh, I need to go into business for myself? I need to create this 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 energy and this atmosphere? Okay, so a, a lot of it came from, I mean, I, I was known, like, I played football, I played sports. Uh, I was real big into football. Uh, most people thought I probably would end up playing on Sundays, and it didn't work out that way. So that really was my motivation to be like, you know what? I wanted to have a lifestyle where I could say, man, I'm going to live like a ball player. And that's really where the motivation came from. And then working for different companies, um, the companies made it easy for me to figure out a way to say, man, I got to do something for myself because these companies going to always give me kind of like, the, they going to give me the bare minimum. We're going to really give me an opportunity to kind of really grow with the company. So that's really what the trigger was. You were speaking about football. So a lot of athletes when they don't go pro or they don't get, you know, or they get injured and they have to retire, they don't know how to transition. Right. Did you feel like you experienced that, like that mental or that physical situation? Like you have to really stay in shape. Right. Uh, you know, and it's a very slippery slope, especially when you've trained for so hard for so long. Right. Uh, for me, honestly, man, I, I think my exit happened, happened pretty soon. So I had a lot of time. I didn't kind of get caught up like a lot of guys where they were so deep in and it almost felt like they was disappointing people. It was kind of like an embarrassment to because I think that's what a lot of athletes who don't make it go through is more embarrassing. It's like, damn, everybody expected me to make it to the NFL or NBA, right? It didn't happen, and they kind of have this thing where they don't want to work or they don't want to feel like I just got a regular 9 to 5. For me, it happened so early, I was like, look, I ain't really tripping. You know what I'm saying? I got into the promotion game pretty early and had success with that. So it didn't really hit me that way. You know what I'm saying? I, I really started having an issue once I started working, and I realized it was like, man, I'm, I'm like plateaued. Like, I'm, you working jobs, and they telling you, oh, man, you're going to get a 30-cent raise and bullshit like that. And that was the stuff that kind of motivated me. So I didn't experience it, or it wasn't hard. I was just more rational. Like, look, you got to figure something out if you're going to really try to get to it. You know what I'm saying? So... That's how it worked out for me. So getting out of that survival mode of just working those jobs, uh -huh. like, what was that moment? Like, what were you feeling it like? What was it when that light bulb went off? Like, I need, I need this, I'm going to do this, falls the wall, let's do this. Right. You know what's so crazy, man? Like, you know, um, I talk about this a lot where it was like, it really, it didn't even hit me like that. I ended up creating a shirt, the Educated N-Word T, for myself to mess with my bosses. And I think I talked about this in a few interviews where, it kind of happened by default. I just wore the shirt to get their attention, but I wanted to keep my job. I just was trying to look for a clever way to kind of like, kind of give them like, this one I'm at. And then people went to asking for the shirt and it blew up. And literally like, I wore the shirt, um, I think the first time I wore the shirt, 
maybe it was like in November. And I started selling them and shit, I retired from the work world like December 20th was my last day working for somebody. Like it, it happened fast. I just stepped out on faith. It was like, look, I don't know what this is gonna be, but I'm gonna roll until it run out and the shit just never stopped. And it just kind of turned into this whirlwind of different businesses, different opportunities. So it's, it's been a blessing. But I didn't even have like a, I'll, I'll be lying if I told you I had a plan or this light clicked. It literally was something I did that was supposed to be not necessarily a joke, but an eye opener. And a lot of people was able to kind of like, you know, people was feeling it like, you know what, I feel the same way. I need that shirt. Yep. So December 20th, how that day 2017. go? 2017. It's so crazy, man. Like, i never forget. I sold my fir- first shirt November 3rd. And then the day before the job was actually, I was working, they was voting on getting rid of the union for that job. The union had been in place for like 30, 40, 50 years. And they convinced these dudes to kind of like vote the union out. And I knew that was my time. I fought for it for those guys. And it's crazy because... In that small period of time, I had made like $29,000 selling a t-shirt. So in my mind, I'm like, if I can make 29 grand selling this shirt in like a month, a little bit over a month and a half, what would I be able to do if I put all my energy into it? So that was kind of my mindset, because it got to a point people was pulling up at the job buying the shirts. So I was like, I'm only, and I was still working almost like 80 hours a week. So I was at this job all the time. So, you know, for me, it was just like, Man, people are always looking to hire you. So getting a job, you may not get a job you want, but somebody always want to be your boss. So that was kind of my motivation. Like, how can I turn up and put myself in a situation where I don't never have a boss again? You know what I'm saying? So So you went from one T-shirt to About 40 now, yeah, 40, 50 designs, yo. Now, is there a certain amount of, there's an allotment that you, like, one to 100, or as long as there's a demand, that you're going to create Yeah, so that? what I do is every design I have, uh, I pretty much always have something in stock. Now, the, the stock levels are, are depending on what shirts move the most naturally. So if I feel like it's something that don't move as much, I don't want to get caught up, you know what I'm saying, with too many. So I just really let the different times of the year, you know, have a demand for different shirts. You know what I'm saying? Same season, naturally, is going to be my highest seller. The two weeks, three weeks for Mardi Gras, that's going to have its stretch. So I just kind of base it, you know, based on the consumer. So how do you advertise your business? Mainly social media, like social media heavy. I think social media kind of like the wave, at least right now. Um, you not People don't really use radio or TV as much no more. That's kind of more like the old school way. Because think about when the last time you really got in your car and turned the radio on. Like, we don't do that. You know what I'm saying? So social media, like everybody is on their cell phone. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of tend to kind of get it, try to stay, you know, current with what's going on with social media. What made you choose this location? Really, man, there was a spot right in the same strip mall that I started doing some promo with. And then it became a situation where it was like it was almost like a convenience thing. Well, damn, I'm already doing some promo here. Three doors down, you know, would be an ideal location. Then it was parking. It was heavy traffic. So it just really kind of fell in my lap. So what is unique about your business that separates you from other boutiques that are on magazine and, and, uh, and canal and stuff like that? Well, probably, I guess one of the things that would be considered unique is basically my brand. Most of those boutiques kind of, they resell, so they're selling someone else's brand. Very few are selling, like, designs they made. So, it's, you know, it's more personal. Um, and mine may have, like, mine is more of an expression-type shirt, like more controversial in some cases with some of the designs. Um, so, for me, it's kind of like almost let my T-shirt do the talking for you. That's kind of my thing. 
So let your art speak for itself. Yep. I can appreciate yep. that. So speaking of art, we know we have a lot of, you know, <clears throat> thefts and everything like that. So mm -hmm. have you experienced somebody basically stealing your designs, trying to basically <laughs> plagiarize or yeah. tamper? Yeah, I'd have, had that. I'd have had people like flat out just copy it. Um, and just like print the shirts of themselves, but they, they I have they have, they don't sell it. I've had one or two times where a person to try to sell it. I had people take the design and maybe change the word up, but the colorway, the font, the same. Um, and I would be honest, man, like I don't give it much energy because I feel like a lot of those brands they don't really have like a following or a movement, so it normally dies off on its own. So I try not to give it any attention. And then they blow up off of me giving them attention. So I've really just let, now if it's too bad, I'll send a cease and desist, get my lawyers on it, and I'll play the legal game. But I don't really give it much attention, but people do it, definitely. So that's definitely one of the issues. So what do you feel like are your biggest issues running this business? <sighs> biggest issue? Um, I would say because things are ch like happening or changing so fast, like being a guy who's a little older in the game, you naturally get set in your way. So it's a little harder to stay with everything, like getting on TikTok, you know, being a you know, creator every day, um, the Snapchats, the Twitters, trying to, it's just so much. But if you could be one of those people that find a, a way to stay on those, you over a period of time, you'll do well. So I'll, I'll probably say that's the, the tough part for me, just being on all the social media outlets. What is the future for this kind of business as far as retail? Do you feel like it's easier to have maybe like an online store versus a storefront? I think it depends on location. Um, the local market prefer being able to pull up and buy in real time. They, they, they're not like credit card, debit card heavy. So they prefer to pull up and be able to buy cash. So I would say if you're in a bigger city like a Houston, Atlanta, places like that, it probably will win for you to just be online based because... For me, like I'll deal with all the time, people will be, before they even order and just get an order the next day in the city, they'll drive from like the east of Slidell just to come buy a shirt as opposed to getting it shipped the next day. So I just realized for me it works, but I would say depending on your city determines, you know, what one works best. Now you brought up these other cities now. You know I got to ask you, uh, <laughs> do you plan to just stay in New Orleans and be like that perfect crown jewel here? Do you want to expand? Like what do you see, what is your vision board <laughs> for your brand? So I plan on, like Houston is a big market for me. So if I do a second location, it'll be Houston first. Um, that's definitely uh, a possibility. Right now I just have a few different businesses. So the idea is grow those get somebody to manage them, and then I'll probably move myself and just kind of commute back and forth. So that's the plan right now. So that's the only reason why I may not do a second location, because I don't want to get caught up into just working. So you were speaking about your other business ventures. Let's talk about them. What, what you, what these, we got these hands on all these pots there in this kitchen. What's going <laughs> on? Talk to me. So uh, right next door, I have a hair salon, a Savage Hair Studio. Uh, that's doing fairly well. I just recently uh, purchased um, Sweet 29. I'm about to open up Savage Seafood. I just did the grand opening for uh, 1525 Chill Barn Lounge. That's actually open right now. So I took a break from the lounge to come do this interview, man. Uh, so this, this, you know, this meant a lot to me to do this interview. So yeah, we rolling right now. The grand opening was last week for that. Um, I have a um, IPTV service, uh, BS Brand Digital. Uh, am I leaving something out? Um, yeah, that's that's it right now. But for the most part, yeah, man, I got a few of them that are like really prospering. I think Savage Seafood and Dacker is gonna be like a really really dope situation. Uh, my plan is to have it open by by November if everything go right. 
Um, but yeah, man, everything is in the same within a thousand square foot of each other, a thousand foot of each other. I'm sorry. So it's um, it's been dope. It's been a real cool experience. How many employees do you have at your establishments? All together. Let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, twenty. Maybe about thirty. 30, 35 right now before Savage Seafood open. Do you feel like in today's society like that a lot of employees lack the work ethic that we kind of grew up with? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, it's, it's extremely hard finding like quality people who, who want to work right now. I think just the technically every, like social media made it easy for everybody to want to be an entrepreneur. I feel like they want to be their own boss. So People kind of have an issue in some cases with you telling them how to do things, what to do, what you need them to do. So I ain't gonna lie, it's, it's, it's tough. I, w- I will honestly tell you now, I'm even to a point where I'm on the fence about how I want to operate Savage Seafood because I'm not sure I'm gonna better find enough people to staff it. So that's one of the things that I'm kind of like, you know, on the fence about, man, because it's tough. Like people really don't want to work. A lot of people I've encountered with, you know, not really looking to work like that. So what do you look for in an employee? Somebody who's self-managed. Like, I really don't, not looking for somebody who I have to micromanage and have to tell them every step of the way to, what to do sometimes. Being able to make decisions. There's somebody who I can count on. I mean, no matter how good of a worker you are, if you're not, if, if you don't come to work, you're not really valuable. You know what I'm saying? So just finding somebody who self-managed and just willing to work. I feel like I can show you everything else. Hmm. What are some of the mistakes you wished you could have avoided? Do you have regrets? <laughs> Talk about them. Spill your guts. Um, I will say this. It may be. It may be sound like it's the is the a cheat. I guess of an answer, but I honestly wish I would have been a better student when I was in school because that played a big part of me not playing on Sundays or um, not not being able to take the big offers I had out of high school. So I would say be, be a better student. Like, I was real lazy when it came to that. Um, everything else has been more of, like, a lesson um, as opposed to something that I kind of look at and say, like, damn, I wish I wouldn't have done it. But that would probably be the one I would say. Hmm. What would you say are the three top skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Um, consistency. Um Being open to stepping out on faith, I think that was big for me. I think a lot of times people are kind of scared themselves off from from trying because they'll they'll kind of like, they're scared to just kind of take a chance. Most people are scared to lose, and they focus so much on losing to where eventually put yourself in a situation to where you'll talk yourself out of a great idea in some cases. So I would say consistency, being stepping out on faith, um, and understanding that you're going to be your biggest supporter, you know, and, and if you put yourself in a situation to where you kind of focus on you and make it about you, over a period of time, you'll be okay. If you had the chance to start your career over again, what would you do differently? Hmm. It probably will still go back to um, the school element of it because I was beyond, like, I was probably better than, and I don't like talking sports, but there's a lot of guys that um that that played ball at a high level, played NFL level that I probably was two or three times better than. You know what I mean? And so that was the difference. Just not taking advantage of that. So that that's what I would do different. That was easy for me. What is your definition of success? Success is not living check to check. Um 
being able to be a provider for you and yours, um, and waking up every day feeling good about the direction you're headed in. Like sometimes, like some people like to put success in a number. For me, it's like, because all of us have a different end goal, right? For me, this number may be drastic. It may be, oh man, if I'm if I'm not making twenty grand a month, everything is a failure. Where you have some people where they could truly live off a $2,500 a month budget and live better than some people making 30 grand. So it just depends on what's comfortable for you. I'm more of a comfort person. Like, um, you know, me and Darren talked about this in a previous interview where we spoke about, for me, I was making 70000 on a job and my goal was if I could make $70,001 for myself, I won. Because a lot of people get caught up feeling like if you, you're an entrepreneur, you got to make a million dollars to be considered successful. In my mind, if I was able to put all them hours in on the job and people patted me on the back for working for that company, why wouldn't you pat me on the back for making the same money for myself? So that's, that's kind of my thing. So I'm, I'm literally, as long as I could make a dollar more than I made at my last job, I'm going to be forever grateful. Speaking on the finances, having establishments, that takes a lot of upstart for the yes. money. So. How did you secure funding? What did you do, or how did you research? I, re- you know what's so crazy? I never, I never got any funding. Everything I did, like so, when I started BS Brand Tees, I started with two hundred and twenty-three dollars to be exact. So I bought my first forty shirts, sold them. I bought a hundred, sold those hundred, bought another hundred. So I would just take all the money and just put back into the business. So once I pulled that first two hundred and twenty-three dollars, in my mind, I'm out the, I'm out the red. I'm just playing with house money. So all I did was keep kept turning the money over. And after about the third flip, then I started saying, okay, pull 500 here, pull, you know, $1,000 here. And I really just kind of built it off of that, you know, and it got to a point where I was able to just kind of pay my bills and I would just keep my checks from my job until I left. And then that was only about two months. I kept those last, like, because I was getting paid every week. So I stacked those checks, and at that point, I was like, okay, I made 29000 So I was probably up about thirty-five, real quick, and I just kept going, just sold out of my truck for about a year and just stacked the paper like that. What has been your most satisfying moment in business? Um, being able to not tell my daughter no when she called and asked for something because that's kind of like... Because, you know, kids, like, they so innocent, they don't really get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for her being in a situation to be able to say, okay, let's get it. Daddy got you. And she don't, she don't ask for nothing too crazy. But I know sometimes it don't take for nothing. Some people in a situation where just $5 may be a lot at a time. For me, it was a lot at a time. I would have been scared of my daughter to be like, hey, dad, let's go to McDonald's. And I know I can provide it. So that's probably the thing for me. It's the little things that a lot of kids just love, the appreciation, you know? Yeah. So speaking of his daughter, how do you balance being a father, being a businessman? Mm -hmm. Like, is that tough for you at times? It's been really hard. Like, I have a a son now, too, that's um, that's nine months. And really, like, my kids really taking a backseat to the businesses right now, and it's difficult um, because there's a lot of pressure with it. I naturally would prefer to be with them a lot more. Um, so that's one of the things, too. I'm grinding real hard now to just set some time to be like, okay, now it's time where I can really flex and be a dad because I kind of like set the foundation. But it's tough. It's extremely hard. Um, there's a lot of emotion into it. Um, it you know, it's times where I got to tell my daughter, because my son, he, he's so young. But with my daughter, like, even at nine years old, just like she understand it. She's like, okay, dad, well, you got to work. You know, we'll do it another day. And I ain't going to lie, that part bothered me. So, you know, it, it's tough. 
You know what I'm saying? It's just one of the sacrifices I got to make right now, but it's definitely tough. Exactly. It's a right now sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be forever. Right. And it's wonderful that she does, like, you have to work. But you're also setting a great example of what a man is supposed to be, right. a provider. Right. So right. that's a beautiful thing. So I commend you on that. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I know it's not easy, but hopefully you have some good, you know, counterparts right. or some balance <laughs> at home that, you know, makes it a little right. easier. Man, I that wish. That does help. I wish, but I, I, I ain't drank till recently. I'm going to just say that. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything, you know, in due process, in due time, just get the right one. Right. So what is the one thing that you would, I would say, advise somebody that wants to get into the restaurant industry? Now, we know the restaurant industry is very, very finicky. And mm -hmm. most restaurants fail almost, what, within the first two to right. three years? I they completely go under? I think funding got a lot to do with it. I mean... Just getting into this now, man, and, and we doing we did a lounge with fifteen twenty five, and financially, man, it really take a lot. Like it takes for you to have um, some spending or borrowing power to really give you a head start. Because literally, it look like every day something new will pop up. Is a new bill? Is a new piece of equipment went down? Something not working? Some more fees? Some more? Like it's a lot. Fines from the city, etc. Exactly. Just messing exactly. with you because it's a you lot. have rival. It's a lot. Restaurants wanting to shut you down because you're going to be taking their customers. Right. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, I, I would just say you really, really, really got to be 100% just 10 toes down if you're going to step into that game because there's a lot that come with it. So definitely even right now, had I known the things I know now when I got into this, I'm not going to say I wouldn't have done it, but it probably wouldn't have been so soon. I would have probably sat back for a minute and said, hold on, you know what, maybe you're not ready for that. So because I stepped into it, I stepped out on faith, and that's normally my way, it forced me to do it, but I ain't going to lie, I'm feeling it. Like, I'm losing my voice right now. I don't even sound like this, but it's been nonstop. Like, I've been doing, um, signing a deal for 1525, June 1st, and literally I've been doing 14 to 16 hours every day, seven days a week. Until like the opening time, like it's been it's been crazy. So what do you do for your I would say your downtime or your resetting time? Like do you ever what do you do? Do you like, take time for yourself? I, honestly, I, in the last prior to this particular venture, I was going out of town once a month for two three days just to reset. And I don't have to do nothing for me. It's just going to another city, um, just to breathe some different air, see some different colors, get some different vibes, and then I come back two or three days refreshed. Like I normally just get a nice room, walking distance from a few restaurants. And just take that part in. Like, I, I try not to go out and party or nothing. Because if I go do all that, I'm going to be tired when I get back. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. So, for me, it's been resetting that way. But since I took on this deal with the, the lounge, I'm really feeling it. So, I'm going to give myself about three more weeks. And I'm going to just kind of get away and kind of get back on track. So, getting back on track. And let's talk about this discipline that you have. I've heard you had a lot of success with this weight loss. Yeah, I'm a, I did. So, I did, mine was a little different, man. So I shared my journey. I had I did a weight loss surgery. I did um, VSG, bariatric surgery, where they pretty much go in and re remove about 75% of your stomach. So my stomach is probably the size of the average two-year-old. So what works for me is I still kind of eat what I want, but it's very little. It's two bites here, a bite there, give or take what it is. Um, and... Honestly, man, it was life-changing for me. Probably the best decision I made, without a doubt. So, with you having the weight before you had the surgery, mm -hmm. where did you where did you collect the weight from? And was it just because you were so busy, you were eating at odd hours, and then there's yep. eating to go to sleep because you already, like, 
some people eat just to put themselves to sleep to have that comfort mm -hmm. and it knocks them out. Otherwise, their brain keeps running. Like, I, what? How did you feel like you fell into the the weight game? Situation? I would say this, man. Now, naturally, I, I always was a bigger guy. I played ball, so I was a bigger guy. But I think I left high school maybe at like 305, something like that. My biggest weight before I had my surgery, which was like maybe a year and a half ago at this point, I got up to like 471. So to gain 180 pounds over virtually a 20-year span, it sounds like it's a long time, but it, like, it really just kind of, the last couple years is where probably, I'm gonna say the last 100, 110 came from. But it really was what you said. Like I realized like eating was kind of my vice. I didn't drink, smoke, nothing, just, but I, I had, I was, it was a thing for flavor. So then you, when you have access to finances, nothing is off limits. So a person who like to eat, then I, I don't have to be like, let me count my money. So whatever I wanted, I was getting. It was a lot of eating out the passenger seat of the car. And before you know it, it's just like, man, three times a day, you're going to eat at a restaurant or a fast food spot. And, and that shit just was like, my lifestyle didn't allow me to do the typical go work out three or four times a day and eat broccoli and grass and bullshit like that. You know what I'm saying? So me just understanding that wasn't me, I had to make a decision. And then COVID happened, and that was the first time in my life I honestly felt like I wasn't going to make it. And I just mm -hmm. prayed, and it was like, man, God, if you get me through this, I promise I'm going to make a change. I don't know what the change is going to be, but I'm going to do something. And then I just so happened to have a few friends that was in the process of doing the surgery. So being able to go on that journey with them for a couple of months, I was like, you know what, man, I got to do this. I got to give it a try. But I wanted to share it my journey with people so maybe they can help a few other people. So it's been cool, man. So I'm down 200 pounds right now, 200 pounds, since March 15, 2021. So what was that process like? How long did you research your surgeon? Like, were you nervous? <laughs> oh, now, yeah, I'm getting into surgery questions now. Yeah, so <laughs> it's so crazy because I'm a step out on faith guy, right? So once my friends, friends who I kind of had a lot of trust and respect for and I felt like they was doing it, it didn't take me much because I was a cash payment, so I didn't have to go through much. And at first, I was going to go to this doctor about two hours away. And then the, uh, I was a cash payment, and I was going that way because it was like maybe three grand cheaper, something like that. But then I went to thinking about I had to go back and forth, two and a half hour drive there and back for like consultations, you know, my checkups and all that. So then I researched a, doc a local doctor. And after the local doctor, um, I got in touch with him. Um, I had already did my sleep study, blood work and all that stuff. And I was like, look, doc, I got cash. I done did all this stuff. How fast can you get me in? So you never had no anxiety or anything? You were just like... Nah, because if, if I think about the process, I'm going to talk myself out of it. So I'm one of those people where it's like, if I'm going to go, go. So the faster I get in here, the less time I have to contemplate if I'm doing the right thing, wrong thing, whatever. And I just kind of prayed on it. It was like, look, I'm going. Had to talk with a few family members. And, I, yeah, I went with the move. So once I talked to that particular doctor, it was literally like 14 days, and they got me in. How was your recovery? I had the surgery March 15th. They kept me overnight. I, I rented a hotel closer to my family just in case something happened. So that Monday I stayed. I actually was back at my store that Thursday, so like three days later. Now, I wasn't doing nothing too physical, but I was moving around, driving, getting work done, you know. So it wasn't bad for me at all. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it well, was Congratulations on that. I appreciate it. Just don't go get abs like Drake did, because that does not look good. He did not get a good surgery. No, see, I'm, I'm going to tell you, man. Like, They're a little different. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like bad build dudes in style, man. Like women, women, y'all got a thing for bad build guys. So 
I'm really, I'm like a big deal right now. So I kind of like, you know, I'm, this is what I'm doing. I don't want nothing extra. You know what I'm saying? So tell me, what's next for you? Next for me is just put building in structure um, so I could bring somebody in to kind of help manage uh, the different businesses or whatever so I could free some time up for, like, family, uh, my kids, and really just trying to embark on, like, a personal life. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, at this point, like, I don't even want to say I'm necessarily looking for love, but who not, like, who don't want to be happy with somebody? Who don't want to share it with somebody? You want a companion. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm tired of swapping lies. Till I fall asleep, you know what I'm saying? So at this point, I, you know, I, that's what I want to put my energy into, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking for a situation where I can, like, look, but I know it's going to take for me to free up some time first because it's hard, you know what I'm saying? I mean, everybody, no matter who you meet, going to be looking for, like, look, you make time for what you want to make time for, but my life's not all allowed that right now. So I would say that's the big thing. I, the business stuff, all of that stuff, cool, but my kids, companionship, that's where I'm at right now. I think what women fail to realize is when you are dealing with a successful entrepreneur and he has a hunger and a passion mm -hmm. to be successful, he's going to be busy. Thanks. So you have to basically accommodate that schedule. You're right. going to have to take that sacrifice on yourself. It's not no, oh, well, you need to do this for me. And I think a lot of women have that misconstrued that you have to be right. the one to sacrifice. There is right. no, and if that's not for you, that's just not for you. Right. Facts. Go, get some, go get Joe from the mechanic shop. Facts. You know. And just chill for that lifestyle. Make sure the camera catching you saying all this, right? It's going to hear it? Yeah, they're going to hear it. All right, you lay that part on thick. Put some captions on or closed captions if you got to. But make sure you lay that part on thick. Ladies, listen. You got two options. You know what I'm saying? You going to have so, a busy man or you going to have a broke man. Right, facts. Facts. No, just, I mean, to each his own. I mean, there's somebody for everybody. But this right. kind of man here, ladies, you got to be willing to sacrifice your schedule. All right. You got to. So, yeah. Because I ain't settling. As you should not. In the society that we're in now, mm -hmm. do you think it's even possible to actually find a woman that's willing to be in a accommodation of your schedule? You know what's so crazy? I, I've convinced myself, and I may be wrong, but I always say to myself, now it seems like it will probably have to be a woman who is into entrepreneurship too and don't have such a structured schedule. Because what I find is when I meet women who kind of have that structure, where let's say they work like a nine to five, they're off on weekends, those type of women were structured just they, that's all they see is, look, I got free time, you should make time. So I would say for me, it's probably going to be somebody who have some flexibility or possibly even into entrepreneurship that would at least understand it. And I could be wrong, but that's what I think. You're not wrong. That's exactly how it's going to have to go. I'm right. You know, sorry, ladies, if, you, if you're not going to be sacrificing the schedule, <laughs> it's just not going to work for him. You got to be a teammate. You got to help him out. He might need you to go run and open the restaurant right quick to handle quick, something. Quick shit. You got to be able to do that. Quick shit. All right, so tell us where we can find you at, you know. Give me all so, your Instagrams. Hopefully by the time this this uh, this airs, man, Instagram will give me my, my page back. They took my page. Um, somebody put some legal action on me or something, but I'm paying somebody right now to get my page back. So, um, at BS Nightlife on Instagram, Snapchat, uh, what else? TikTok. Twitter. Twitter. Um, YouTube. If they don't give me my page back, just look on one of the businesses, BS Brand Tees, 1525, Savage Hell Studio, whatever. But hopefully we'll have a page back. If not, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to probably not get back on from a personal standpoint if they don't give me the page back. But we're going to have faith, baby. We're going to get that thing back. <laughs> and that's my story. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it.